0: Welcome back to the FundMonitors.com Manager Insights series. Uh, I'm joined today by Richard Ivers. Richard is the Portfolio Manager for the Prime Value Emerging Opportunities Fund. Uh, Richard, thanks for joining me today.
1: Thanks, Taren. Thanks for having me.
0: Uh, Richard, we've seen now 11 consecutive months of positive performance until the month of September just gone. Uh, The ASX 200 total return index down... Um, 1.85 the small ordinaries uh, index down a little bit more than that um what do you think has been a some of the reasons why the market's been so buoyant for such a long time and and what do you think some of the catalysts were for the correction albeit a small correction that we've seen in september after such a strong market
1: yeah look obviously Post the downturn of last year when COVID really hit in February and March, we saw vaccines being rolled out in 2020, economies opening up more in the Northern Hemisphere, and and then stimulus in the terms of monetary and fiscal side. So when you put all those together, that were really ideal conditions for equity, strong growth and strong um, stimulus from the fiscal and monetary side. So that was was the real driver of, of markets on the upside. And then more recently, we've had some of that revert a little bit so you know the the prospect of fiscal monetary stimulus well it still will be there probably there at a lesser extent than it has been um you know particularly in the us which are talking about tapering and and potentially uh, interest rate rises next year so you know that's quite a fundamental change um and then there's obviously concerns too about inflation and particularly the duration of it because there has been uh, heightened inflation more recently but there's been Um, a view that it it may pass relatively quickly. Now, some people are thinking that it may stay around a bit longer Um, and therefore, you know, that's feeding into rising bond yields, uh, which impacts valuations. So as always, you know, the market's forward-looking and um, there's a lot of different views out there about growth and inflation and and those are having an impact. And then you've got some of the other side issues like, you know, what's going on with China and Evergrande and and a falling iron ore price as well, which are more specific to Australia. And our exposure to, to China that have affected um, our market as well.
0: Your fund, um, again, outperformed a falling market in September and, and you have quite a long um, track record now of, uh, of uh, avoiding um, a lot of that downside risk. What's unique about your process um, that helps you avoid some of these sort of market corrections?
1: Yeah, so as you said, Dan, we were, we we're down just almost basically flat in September and the market was down roughly around 2%, depends on which index you look at. And um, that track record, yeah, it's almost three years now where we've outperformed every month in which the market falls. So, and that's against the Small Ordinaries Accumulation Index. So um, that's quite an unusual track record, I think, particularly given that we're a long-only fund. And in terms of your question about why we get that um, strong performance in down markets, there's really three key reasons and the first one is we invest in quality businesses so you know we're very much focused on businesses where you have visibility of earnings growth um, and the price at a reasonable basis and so therefore you've got a fair idea of where the share price will go based on them delivering to expectations we also avoid a lot of the more risky areas so most of the companies nearly all it's, it's quite rare that we invest in companies that are, are losing money Um, We don't invest in mining either, so that's a relatively more volatile part of the market that's been performing well lately. Um, And we're not interested in sort of lottery ticket type businesses either, which, you know, you could win big or you could lose all your money. And those areas tend to uh, fall more when markets decline. So when risk appetite declines in the market, you know, the appetite for these risky businesses obviously falls as well. So, you know, the cream rises to the top and we tend to perform better. Um, Mm In, at, the, at the portfolio level also, there's a, there's a strong focus on risk management. So the highest weightings in the portfolio are the businesses that tend to have a lower risk. So, um, you know, there's some that do have risk, in, the, in you know, a reasonable level of risk, but they'll be a very small weighting. There might be 1% of the portfolio, whereas, you know, the, the more visible, lower-risk businesses where you've got a more certain return, the, the upside might not be as great, but the, the certainty of the return is higher. They will be a higher weighting. They might be, say, 3 or 4% of the portfolio or even higher in some cases. The importance of... Um, of downside protection is, is you can be represented in, in an illustration. So, say if you, you have a hundred dollars and you lose 50% of that, um, you've got to get a hundred percent return to be made whole. So you have to you know, go from 100 to 50, you need to get back to 100, you need to double your money again. Whereas, if you have, say, a 25% loss from your 100, you go down to 75, you only need to get a 33% return to be made whole. So, having that higher platform. which to grow when markets rebound gives you a really strong basis from which to perform well um so even though you know we've got really strong returns in down markets we haven't foregone good returns in up markets either so if you look at the last 12 months when markets have been strong as you highlighted know we've we've delivered 36 percent net after fees against the market index that's done 30 percent. so you're not foregoing know the upside in bull markets either you're actually um getting the best of both worlds if you like but we are particularly strong in down markets
0: um, now i think you know before we jumped on carry we were talking about continued lockdown and uh the effect that's had on my hair um, but it's also had an effect on a, a lot of companies um uh, a lot of companies in australia um what do you think um with with restrictions starting to now um, ease, what sort of sectors do you look at as a do you look at with those um, uh, restrictions easing as being potential opportunities?
1: Yeah, absolutely. But I would say that it's been um, foreseeable for some time that this was going to happen. So it's not as if we're changing the portfolio around just recently, because now that the reopening is happening, there was always an expectation that would come through with the vaccines being rolled out. So we've held a number of stocks um, in the portfolio that are beneficiaries of reopening. Um, a couple of examples, which I've spoken before, I think, to you about, you know, City Chic, which has seen the stock. Behave really perform really strongly on the back of strong sales, particularly in the northern hemisphere, because it sells um, apparel or particularly female apparel yeah. into the northern hemisphere as well as Australia. And so, with the reopening, there it's been you know, it's seen sales go really, really strongly. The share prices has responded. And another one, like United Malt, which is we, we still own, which um, has seen an improvement, but it has been Delta has delayed the um, extent of the improvement a bit. and So the share price hasn't performed quite as well. Still done all right, but hasn't performed really strongly. So um, we still hold both of those and we've held both of those for some time. In terms of changes to the portfolio, it's funny you might uh, frame the question in terms of reopening because the ones we've actually been buying more recently are the ones that maybe aren't even necessarily beneficial so much. So they're more defensive areas of the market. So sectors like healthcare, Uh, And consumer staples, there's a couple of stocks in those two sectors that we've we've been buying recently. And that's really just because of stock-specific factors. So the volatility that we're seeing in the markets opened up some really good buying opportunities, and the businesses we've been buying, um, we have a relatively high certainty of where those earnings are going to be, and and they're pretty attractively priced as well. So um, uh, they're defensive, and they should be able to grow regardless of what. What circumstances are in the economy, um, which is the ideal sort of stock that we want in the portfolio? We're not relying on the cycle to give them the a and They'll grow up for their own um, their own reasons and their own structural drivers behind behind the business.
0: Richard, um, I guess another question I've got is that um, having now managed a portfolio investing in, in small cap. Cut- Australian stocks over a period where things like management company visits and those sorts of things have been really, really difficult with the easing of restrictions and and through vaccination a potential change um, in in how you do business. Do you think the last two years uh, is going to have any future influences on the way that you, um, I suppose, approach how you deal with companies and those sorts of things? Do you think you'll go back to the way you used to do it or has this given an opportunity for you to get greater amounts of coverage by doing it in a more um, uh, remote sense?
1: Yeah, no, it, it has helped, absolutely,
0: with, you know, Zoom and the
1: like. what we're doing now in mm. terms of accessing management. You can fit many more meetings into a day than we could, you know, pre-COVID, um, you know, and, and travelling, um, you know, is taken out of the equation. You can, you can do it, but I don't think meeting by Zoom is the same. I think we're probably all looking forward to sort of meeting face-to-face and I think you get more out of a meeting face-to-face. So we'll definitely go back to a lot of those meetings. Perhaps the ones where you, you know the company well and you've met, you meet up with them reasonably regularly anyway, um, you don't need to always meet face-to-face. You could do some of the infill with uh, by Zoom. But meeting new companies um, and... Uh, Perhaps when you're coming up to speed on on a business and doing a lot of in-depth work and face-to-face, really can't be replaced by Zoom. I think that's a, um, you know, it's still the human contact and the the conversation you get a feel for a person when you sit down and and meet with them face-to-face.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think uh, certainly in a funds management sense, uh, seeing the whites of their eyes um, of the management team has always been a significant advantage. Richard, as always, thank you for your time this afternoon and uh, good luck for what's left of 2021 and on into 2022.
1: Thanks, thanks, Simon. Thanks for having me. Cheers.